0: The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel
1: Come thou fountain of every blessing tune my heart to sing thy grace Streams of mercy never ceasing. For songs of loudest praise Teach me some melodious sonnet Sung by flaming tongues above Praise the mount I'm fixed upon here i raise my
0: My father was a wise man. He would often say to me, Raymond, slow down. Take your time. I was always in a hurry. I wanted to get that row of corn done so I could go swimming. I wanted to get those carrots thin so I could go read a book. Dad would say, slow down, Ray. Take your time. And then my late wife, she was also a very wise woman. She would say to me, Ray, slow down. We're driving too fast. This is the time we get to be together to enjoy one another. The trip is half or more of the vacation. Slow down, take your time. They were both right, and I have learned to slow down. There are things that we miss when we go too fast, there are precious lessons to be learned that we will entirely bypass. And by bypassing those early vital lessons in our walk with Jesus, we will sabotage our walk. And we will be shallow and angry and wonder why God is so far away from us because we went too fast and we bypassed precious things that he wanted us to learn. So I'm not going to go fast. I'm going to slow down in these messages this week. It's not easy. These are messages I would rather hurry past very quickly, and in the modern church, we have done just that. We have hurried past these lessons, and the result is we're all sound and fury, but no content. I read about a man who said, I have to take a journey. I have to take a journey. And so he sat by himself for three days and enjoyed his journey. There is an inner life that we must come to terms with. It is called in scripture, life in the spirit. You do not enter into the life of the spirit by going fast, by hurrying. You have to slow down and take your time, even though taking your time will be exceedingly painful. But the rewards are incredible. In the modern church, we have made the mistake of teaching people Jesus loves you just the way you are. All you have to do is accept him, and you can enter into salvation. It's a free gift. No, that's the modern fable. It's not biblical It's not what the scriptures teach. Nowhere in the scriptures is a person told at the very beginning of their journey toward righteousness, toward God. Nowhere are they told Jesus loves you just the way you are. Here, say this little sinner's prayer and and repent, and you'll be saved. I confronted a man yesterday yesterday. About his sin. He had done some things that had displeased God. And I said to him, I'm puzzled. I don't see any remorse in your heart. I see no sadness for what you have done to the Lord Jesus by your actions. And he said to me very glibly, Pastor, I repented. I'm fine. Isn't that all Jesus wants me to do is repent? Well, no. To get on your knees and quickly say, Jesus, see, I made a mess of this. I'm sorry. Now let's go. I need this blessing, Jesus. I need this blessing and this blessing. I mean, the man had called me to ask me to pray for his physical healing. I could not pray for his physical healing until I had tried to speak to him about the sin of his heart. There's a scripture I want to share with you. Let me see if I can find it. For you very quickly. Oh, here it is. It's found in the Book of Psalms, Psalm thirty two. Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. You recognize that in the Old Testament, a man's sins could be covered but not removed because sins were not removed until Jesus died on the cross and then his blood retroactively covered the old covenant people and remove their sins. Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him, and in whose spirit is no deceit. Pardon me. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. And then I acknowledged my sins to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sins. Therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to you while you may be found. Surely when the mighty waters rise, they will not reach him. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with the song of deliverance. Do you see? Before he could begin to praise and honor the name of the Lord Jesus with sincere heart, Felt emotion. He had to stop being silent about his sin. He had to acknowledge that he was wasting away. He groaned in his spirit. He acknowledged that the hand of the Lord was heavy upon him, that his strength was gone. Finally, He acknowledged his sin. Jesus comes in the Beatitudes, the blessings. These are not the blessings that the world would recognize. These are the blessings of the Spirit. And they begin, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is the door into the kingdom of God, and there is no other door. There is no be-happy door that does not first begin with an acknowledgement, a recognition, and a feeling of the crushing poverty of spirit that is within you. Apostle Paul spoke about this crushing. I'll turn to it quickly. It's found in the book of Romans. Now this is not going to be pretty. But it's real. It's unvarnished. Let me read for you. This is from the New International Version. Romans, the third chapter. Jews and Gentiles alike are all under sin. There is no one righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away and have together become worthless. There's no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways. In the way of peace they do not know. There's no fear of God before their eyes. Now, this is a description of every human person. And until we come to terms with this description of the human condition and acknowledge that that is indeed who I am, we will not be in touch with the grinding poverty of our spirits the, the entranceway into the kingdom of God is a true acknowledgement and feeling and understanding in the depths of our heart, the absolute grinding poverty of our life, of our spirit. This is not easy. I've wept many times over that passage. And at first I said, no, 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 no. That's not who I am. I do seek after God. I do want Jesus. But that's not who I am naturally. That's who I am because the Holy Spirit has called after me. That's not mine. I have to begin to take the time to just sit in the presence of God and let him search my heart and deal with my pride. I have to take that time to, to humble my heart before Almighty God and recognize that he is utterly unlike me in my natural self a man naturally given to sin and darkness and anger and bitterness and hatred and sexual uncleanness and every other wicked thing that's the natural heart that I had before Jesus came and transformed me all that I have has come by grace by faith in Jesus Christ. But we must not hurry into that. We must stop and take our time. And we must feel the degradation and the and the wickedness of our own hearts. We must know who we are in ourselves. And some of you have bought into the humanistic lie that you're a wonderful person. And that you need to be all that you can be. Some of you bought into the lie of the Course in Miracles or Dr. Jampolsky and, and many others who have written about them. Some of you have even said, I'm not even a sinner. Spirit is pure and, and clean. Like the agnostic would say, I'm not a sinner. Yes, we are. As one dear woman said to me, Pastor, I'm sorry. I've been a good person all of my life. I'm not a sinner. I said, dear sister, you are a long way from the kingdom of God. I've been there too. There is a place where we must begin to acknowledge the wickedness of our own hearts and come to terms with what that means. Now, I'm going to share with you again today from Pilgrim's Progress, but we're going to go much deeper. Bunyan understood some very vital things about this journey from this world to the world which is to come. And according to Jesus, the journey begins with the acknowledgement of the grinding poverty of my own spirit and my desperate need of God to come and change me. Now, let me just, without going down a rabbit's trail, just say something very quickly to you, very kindly, please, please. I have no animosity in my saying this to you. But if you're calling yourself a Christian and you keep going back to your sin, and you say, look, God, you're just going to have to accept me the way I am because this is who I am and I can't change myself, you need to understand very clearly that you bypassed what I'm talking about right now. And in fact, you've never been born from above. You have accomplished what you have accomplished in the, sp- in the flesh. Improve your life. The flesh can do all kinds of things. It can stop smoking. It can cut the drugs off. It can cut off the fornication. It can do all kinds of things if you, if you really want to change. The human will is powerful. But it doesn't count in the spirit realm. Because you're just covering up that ugliness with band-aids and and spray paint. And thus the result in the American church today, probably 90% or more are not even really Christians. They're just pagans spray-painted with Jesus. And they have a cotton candy Jesus. They don't have the real Jesus of Scripture. Now, please, I'm not trying to be offensive, but it's time we begin to speak the truth to one another. And so Bunyan comes. The evangelist says to him, flee from the wrath to come. That's the first word of the gospel. Flee from the wrath to come. And if you're going to flee from the wrath to come, you're going to have to know what that wrath is and you're going to have to know what it is in your heart that is going to cause you to be in that very, very painful place. If you have never been broken and wept, Over the depth of your wickedness, you are still a man or a woman deceived and shallow. And you're going to have to slow down, back up, and you're going to have to take your time. And you're going to have to let the Holy Spirit begin to show you who you really are. Evangelist points him toward a distant, shining light. I saw in my dream that the man began to run. He'd not run very far from his home when his wife and children, realizing what was happening, cried out after him to return. But the man put his fingers in his ears and ran on crying, Life! Life! Eternal life! So without looking back, he fled toward the middle Of the valley. The neighbors also came out to see what was going on, and when they saw who it was running, some mocked him, others yelled out threats, and some cried after the man to return. Among those were two who decided to bring him back by force. The name of one was Obstinate, the name of the other, Pliable. Now, by this time, the man was a good distance away, but obstinate and pliable were determined to pursue him, which they did. Soon they caught up with him and asked him, why have you run away? Why have you run after me? To persuade you to come back with us. But that's not possible, the man replied. You live in the city of destruction, the place where I was born, and I believe that if you stay in that city, you will soon die, and you will sink lower than the grave into a place which burns with fire and brimstone. Please, consider good neighbors. Come along with me. What? said obstinate, and leave our friends and comforts behind? "'Yes,' said the fleeing man Christian, for that was his name, "'because all that you leave behind is not worthy to be compared "'with even a little of what I'm seeking to enjoy. "'And if you will come along with me and not give up, "'we will both be blessed with treasures to spare "'beyond anything we can imagine. "'Come along with me and see if I'm telling you the truth or not.'" No. Christian in his first opportunity to witness is totally blowing away the witness because he's inviting them to come on the journey not to escape the fires of hell but for the benefits they will reap. No man will follow the narrow path and go through the crucifixion of his flesh in order to gain wealth or fame or power. No, it is to avoid hell. That is the first calling of the Holy Spirit to our hearts, to identify for us the depth of the wickedness of our spirit and to say there is a way of escape What are you looking for, obstinate replied. What is so valuable that you would turn your back on all in the world to find it? I'm looking, Christian explained, for an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven. It is kept safe there to be given at the appointed time to those who diligently seek it. You can read about it in my book, Nonsense said Obson, away with your book. Will you come back with us or not? No, said Christian, I have laid my hand to the plow and cannot look back. I have started this journey and I must finish it. I can already hear some of you saying, Pastor, would you stop talking about humbling your heart? You've done that before. Would you stop talking about being crucified with Jesus? All we have to do is agree that we will accept Jesus and we are saved. No, 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 no. The question is not, will you accept Jesus? The question is, will Jesus accept you? And the answer to that question is absolutely no. He will not accept you until you have denied yourself, taken up your cross, and followed after him to be crucified. Do you understand? Come on, Pliable, Obstin urged his companion. Let's turn around and go home without him. There is a group of those mixed up lunatics who get a crazy idea in their head and are wiser in their own eyes than seven men who can render a reason. But Pliable said, Don't be so harsh. If what the good Christian says is true, the thing he is seeking is looking better and better. I feel I should go along with my neighbor. What? More fools? Still? Do what I say and go back. You know where this lunatic will lead you. Go back. Go back. Be wise. Don't listen to him, Christian urged. "'Come with me, pliable. "'There are things to be gained, such as I'm telling you about, "'and many more glories besides. "'If you don't believe me, read about it in this book. "'And as far as the trustworthiness of this book, "'it's confirmed by the blood of of him who made it.' "'Well, neighbor obstinate,' said pliable, "'I've come to a decision.' I've decided to go along with Christian to cast my lot along with him. Pliable thought for a second and then turned to Christian and asked, but do you know the way to this desired place? "Oh, well, I was given direction by the man whose name is Evangelist Christian said. He told me to go as quickly as I could to the little gate that is just up ahead. And once there, we will receive instructions about the way in which we should go. Come then, good neighbor, Pliable said. Let's be going. And off they went together. And I'm going back to my home, said Obstinate. I will not be a companion of such misled fanatical fellows. Now I saw in my dream, after Obstinate returned to the city of destruction, that Christian and Pliable began to talk as they walked together through the middle of the valley. I'm glad, Christian said, that you were persuaded to come. I'm surprised that Obstinate returned so quickly to the city of destruction. I think if he had felt the power and terror of the unseen as I have, he would have been persuaded to come along with us. Wait a minute, wait a minute. What's Bunyan talking about? The terror of the unseen. The power of the unseen. He's talking about looking honestly at his life and seeing that his city is going to be burned with fire and that he himself has a heavy burden on his back. And he's acknowledging he has that heavy burden on his back. Now, let's note something. Neither obstinate nor pliable have a burden on their backs. No one will make the journey to heaven who has not experienced that heavy burden on their backs and dealt honestly with the fact that the burden is their own sin, their own utterly wicked heart, perverted, filthy, dirty, profane, full of all kinds of Bitterness and anger and hurt. They don't have that burden on their back. They've not done the work. Obstinate and Pliable are very much like people who run after Christians and then, like Pliable, even say, Okay, I'm going. I'll be a Christian. But they're there for the loaves and the fishes. they refuse to deal with the truth of what their heart is. They refuse to acknowledge how deep their sin root goes. And so it's never removed from them. And when the going gets tough, they cave and they head back home. Or they stay in the welcoming church where God loves them unconditionally and promises them salvation in the midst of their sin. That's why the church today is scorned by the world. It's why we're in such trouble in America. Because the church lost its saltiness. There's no bite. There's no fire. There's no brimstone. There's no terror of what is to come. So I want to just stop quickly and, and ask a simple question. Have you had that burden on your back? If so, how did you deal with it? Did you, did you take some cheap grace and say, oh, by faith, my burden is gone and I'm good to go and I'm on my way. And then in the church, you're full of pride. The greatest sorrows of my heart I have received from people who call themselves Christians. I've been treated, frankly, much better by pagans than I have by those who call themselves Christians, professing love and friendship and family until the going gets tough. And then the shallowness and the bitterness of their heart the pride, the condescension, it all comes streaming forth out of their mouths and out of their hearts. No curiosity, no compassion. It's easy to have compassion if in the having of compassion I can prove that I'm better than you are. (laughs) What? It's easy to call myself a Christian and just cover over the filth of my heart. That's what pliable is like. So they talk about the crowns of glory. They talk about the purity of of what's coming. And pliable says that's that's sounding very pleasant. There'll be neither crying nor sorrow, for he who is owner of that place will wipe all tears from our eyes. And what company shall we have there? Oh, we'll be with the seraphim and the cherubim and creatures who will dazzle your eyes when you look at them. You will meet with thousands who've gone before us to that place. None of them are hurtful, but all of them are loving and holy. Everyone walking in the sight of God and standing in his presence with acceptance forever. In a word, there will, there will be elders with their golden crowns. There will we see the holy virgins with their golden harps. There we will see men who were cut in pieces by the world, burst in flames, eaten by beasts, drowned in the seas, suffering all of this and more for the love they have for the Lord of this place. And everyone in that place is clothed with immortality, as with a robe. Hearing about all of this is enough to excite my heart, Pliable said. But are these things to be enjoyed by anyone? What do we have to do to share in these things? The Lord Christian replied, the governor of the country has recorded in this book that if we are truly willing to have it, he will give it to us freely. Well, my good companion, I'm glad to hear about these things. Come, let's let's hasten our pace, Pliable replied. Well, I cannot go as fast as I would like because of this burden that is on my back. Now, I saw in my dream that just as they finished talking, they came near to a, a miry swamp. It was in the middle of the valley. Then suddenly, both Christian and Pliable who were not paying attention to where they were walking, fell into the swamp. The name of the swamp was Despond. They wallowed there until they were both completely covered with mud. Christian, weighed down by the burden on his back, began to sink. And Pliable said, Oh, neighbor, Christian, where are you now? Honestly, said Christian, I don't know. The answer offended Pliable, who angrily said to Christian, Is this the happiness you've been telling me about all the time we've been together? If we have this much difficulty at the beginning of our journey, what way may we expect now and at the end of our journey? If I get out of this swamp alive, you will have your brave country that you're so fond of talking about without me. And with that, he gave a desperate struggle or two. And he got out of the mire on the side of the swamp nearest to the city of destruction. So away he went, and Christian never saw him again. Christian was left to struggle in the swamp of Despond alone. In spite of the difficulty, Christian still tried to get to the side of the swamp that was furthest from the city of destruction and nearest the narrow gate. He finally reached the edge of the swamp, but he could not, no matter how hard he tried, lift himself out of the swamp because of the heavy burden that was on his back. Just then I saw in my dream that a man whose name was help came to him and asked, What are you doing here? Sir, said Christian, I was told to go this way by a man called Evangelist, who directed me also to the narrow gate so that I would escape the wrath to come and as I was going there, I fell asleep. I fell in here. But why didn't you look for the stepping stones? Help asked. I was so frightened that I stepped the wrong way and fell into the swamp. Here, Help said, give me your hand. So Christian gave him his hand, and he pulled him out, set him on solid ground, and told him to go on his way. Going over to the man who pulled him out of the swamp, Christian asked, Sir, since this swamp is right between the city of destruction and the narrow gate. Why hasn't someone filled this swamp so the travelers could walk over it safely? This miry swamp, help replied, cannot be filled or repaired. It is the low spot where it collects all the scum and filth that goes along with conviction for sin. That is why it is called the swamp of despond. When a sinner is awakened to his lost condition, then doubts and fears and discouraging apprehension swell up in his soul along with other miseries which all get together and settle in this swamp. That is why the ground is so bad in this place. The miry Swamp. we're afraid to deal with our sin because we don't want to end up in the miry swamp. And we want to tell people, don't worry, be happy. Know that the entrance way into the kingdom of God is only found according to the Beatitudes in one place. And that place is to enter into the grinding poverty of our spirit to acknowledge it. Now, the kingdom of God will belong to the people who start there. If you started in another place, hearing about all the wonderful benefits, hearing about how Jesus loves you unconditionally, and you chose to go for that, you need to slow down and take your time. If you have no victory over sin and you don't have a static joy in Jesus Christ, you need to slow down and take your time. How many times I have invited Christians to pray with me in a meeting and everyone sits with a hand over their mouth. I know why they feel unworthy to pray or they don't know how to pray because they have never dealt with the grinding poverty of their spirit now all of us have experienced very painful trials sorrows my father have both passed on to be with Jesus And I've been left alone. My precious wife, Jan, after 20 some years of marriage, died of cancer. I feel like I died when she did. A desperate sorrow. Financial reverses, money stolen. being rejected by people I love dearly, being scorned by them, by being ridiculed by them, being judged, castigated, sorrows. None of those sorrows are what this grinding poverty of spirit is about. This is not about them. It's not about outside. It's about what's inside of me. And that's what must be dealt with. The next beatitude is, Blessed are the ones mourning, for they will be comforted. Yes, I have mourned over the loss of loved ones that were very precious to me. I have most recently wept over a precious woman. I had to go and preach her funeral. I'd known her for many years and counted her a precious friend. And frankly, the tears flowed down my face as I preached that final sermon. Talking with the crowd about what her beliefs were about Jesus, for she was a Christian. The, the mourning that we are called to do is not about the trials and tribulations, the pains or the sickness we are called to mourn over the condition that we have found of our own heart in the, in the grinding poverty. You see, you cannot look honestly at yourself and not weep. If you have not wept over your own poverty of spirit, you need to slow down For you will later be filled with pride and arrogance if you have not dealt honestly with your own wickedness. You will have no mercy for others. You will just have judgments and look at them with a condescending spirit and call them garbage because you have not yet dealt. with your own poverty, grinding poverty of spirit. We're almost out of time today. We're going to come back tomorrow and talk about the Miry Swamp. And we're going to talk about what it's like to mourn over our over our own wickedness. Don't think that you can simply say a quick prayer to Jesus, please forgive me for that fornication. Please forgive me for that pornography. Please forgive me for that rage and anger. Please forgive me for whatever the sin happens to be. And think that God will even begin to forgive you. Are you kidding me? You're going to have to go back and take your time and deal with the root of that issue. You're going to have to mourn over your sin. I urge you in preparation for tomorrow, read Psalm 51. Let the Lord begin to deal with you. Sit down somewhere undisturbed. Have a conversation about whether you've really dealt to the bottom of the wickedness of your heart. Don't be afraid of it. No man can be saved by his own power or his own strength. But we have to know where we're coming from. See, a man won't pray if he's never looked at his own wicked heart. No man will rejoice in the salvation he has. It will be a humdrum if he has no recognition of from where he's come and and the depth of the well from which he's been plucked. Now, some of you have some idea of that, and you have some level of joy. But if you have not yet received the fullness of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you need to go back. You need to take your time. Don't hurry. Take some notes. Ask yourself, who have I hurt? Who have I been condescending toward? Who have I cut off? Who have I called garbage? Do you think you're not garbage? Do you think you're somehow righteous by your own strength and your own willpower? Are you kidding me? All that I am has come from the hand of Jesus. I have nothing to claim for me. It's all Jesus. What compassion, what sorrow, what joy, what righteousness you might see in my life all came from the hand of Jesus. Well, we're out of time. I've spoken your word to my brothers and sisters and I've asked them to slow down, to take their time, to deal with the grinding poverty of their own heart. Lord, would you come and walk with them through this? And would you teach them how to mourn? I thank you, Jesus. I pray in your name. Amen. Now, I told you yesterday that we were $1,740 short yet for radio for this month. And then this morning, uh, a note came with a gift of $330. So you do the math. That's where we're at. I'm waiting on Jesus. I know He wants this broadcast to continue, and so I stand by faith that He will move in your hearts to give as He chooses to have you give. And I'm so grateful for each one of you. I love each one of you. I'm astonished and I'm humbled by your giving. I'm humbled by your giving I thank you you can give by going online to nationalprayerchapel.com or you can give by writing to me it's on the webpage as well my brother, my sister we're out of time I love you. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon. If you owe back tax.